there has been nearly $6 billion in Ethereum burned as the Ethereum 2.0 launch comes very close, supposedly. So this burn mechanism was introduced late last year in 2021. And essentially what it, what has happened so far since this has been implemented, around 2 million ETH tokens have been burned as a result of this mechanism to the tune of roughly 5.82 billion USD removed from the supply. So when you burn the token, it's gone from the supply forever. And this new free structure, the way it was set up is it's a proof of work coin. So the miners run their computers and they process transactions. They earn they earn the, the income from the fees of the network. And what this fee structure change did was it split that fee into two parts. There's the base fee, and then there's the tip. They just call it a tip. And so the base fee is the part of that transaction reward that gets burned. And the tip is going to the miner. So they're doing this to prepare for the shift to proof of stake, which when that happens, those miners running their computers aren't going to be able to earn anything. From what I understand, maybe they... Maybe there's some component of this that's going to be offloaded to the, the mining, but I don't think so. So, I mean, at the moment, you have the fee per miner, I suppose, shrinking, and you have supply being burned. But when the proof-of-stake launch is in full effect, those those miners are going to have to figure out a new way to supplement that income because they're not going to earn anything. So. It's a good shift here. I think I think it's very fundamentally positive. And I I actually feel like this could be what's maybe shifting the sentiment in the market a bit broadly. I, I seems like crypto might be bottoming out here and there's there's a couple of charts that are perking up that that have my attention that are, I look to to uh look for a change in a cycle and I'm seeing the makings of it. So what do you think about all of this fundamental progress? I mean, generally, I'm in, I'm in the same mindset as you. I think we talked about this just kind of in private, how we felt about how this feels like, you know, a lot of the sentiment is shifting um, towards more of that bullish sentiment that we had earlier in the year, I guess, last year. Um, but but yeah, I mean, with, and I don't know if you've used Ethereum too, too much lately, but when you use this feature, because I've actually used like the tip base under the, the EIP 1559, and it's interesting because you're basically putting up a what you what the minimum gas fee is, and then you're basically bidding to get into the next block. So that's what those tips are. If you really want to get your transaction through the block and you have you know some time sensitive transactions, you can actually you know bloat how much you're putting in gas to basically incentivize the block or the validator to select your block next. So that's that's kind of what I've noticed and the whole idea behind this structure was to one lower gas fees um and incentivize people who really want to use the network to pay more to do it and i think that's working but what i noticed is that the overall gas hadn't come down much and when the transaction volume is high it's like right now the GUI is pretty low which is essentially the gas but it's it's because there's not a lot of network activity happening so it's going to be interesting to see how, like, as they transition to full proof of stake and go to this, you know, this model of, of burn and, and gas, how it's going to work. Because the idea of burning the actual 
um, gas to making, or sorry, burning the actual ETH and then making it a deflationary asset is very intriguing to me. And like you said, I think that is part of the reason the sentiment is really starting to change on Ethereum, which in general have an overall effect on the, the crypto market just because of how significant Ethereum and um, uh, Bitcoin are. Right on. I actually didn't know you can stipulate that, that tip part. And I, if you go to watchtheburn.com, you can see how much has been done on the blockchain in terms of the issuance of blocks and how much is done in, in tips and how much is spent in each each portion of the, the fees. So it's pretty interesting. I did some stuff on Ethereum like two weeks ago and it was cheap for Ethereum standards, but I know the transaction volume probably isn't what it was a cu- couple months ago. I don't, I have no idea actually. I'm just speculating. No, that. that's absolutely true. Like when we were seeing the GUI in the 160 to 200 range where you're paying two, 250, $300 for a transaction, like a simple transaction on Ethereum, that was the, the network activity was, insane it, i mean it's nothing close to what it's what it's at now um so that's part of it i do think that this the upgrade did help with gas fees so i think that is contributing to the lower um pricing gas but i do think that with increased network activity we'll see that um those fees get back up to those not necessarily to the levels they're at before but still going to be levels where you know the average crypto user isn't going to be happy paying 50 to 100 dollars to make a, a swap yeah, no doubt about that. And I think this is really kind of the perfect storm of progress that you would ever want to see in a project. And the price has been up, um, let's see, over the past couple of days, like 20% over the past uh, nine days. So it's you got to watch these milestones, any project. I mean, we're basically betting on, as an investor, you're basically betting on the achievement of, of milestones like this. So I think this is a really good segue into the other article that you have on liquid staking, which I, I also think has a big role to play in what's what's happening in the market at the moment. Yeah, no, yeah. And like you said, it, it is a good a good segue in the sense that Ethereum being going to proof of stake will allow you to obviously stake your Ethereum and actually earn a yield off of that token. Um, previously, under the, the current proof of work model, it does not allow you to, I guess, stake your tokens. So therefore, you don't earn this extra yield unless you're actually mining the token, in which case you're actually mining the direct token and not necessarily a yield from an asset you already owned. So that's where kind of liquid staking comes in. Um, so how it works is when, you, when you're on proof of stake, you're basically delegating or validator, I guess, are locking their tokens to secure the network. Um, and they basically, if they have enough uh, delegated tokens, they'll be in the active set and will be actually, you know, signing blocks and then they receive token rewards for doing so. Um, and then users are incentivized because if you have any tokens, you can stake them and delegate them to a validator um, so that you're securing the network. And in return for doing that, since you're locking up your tokens, you receive a, um, a yield or reward of tokens in addition to what you've locked in the validator. So what, but the, the problem is with that is when this happens, you don't have any liquidity because all your tokens are locked in these validators and typically have a unbonding period of anywhere from, you know, 14 to, to 30 days is pretty common. Um, and some, some protocols will even go as far as six months to a year to unbond your token. So, I mean, that's a long time to be without liquidity if you were in a pinch. And that's kind of where liquid staking comes in. So 
the whole concept of liquid staking is that when you delegate your tokens to a validator, you actually receive a synthetic version of it in return. Um, and, and the synthetic version should be tied, the price should be tied directly to the original token. So there should be very little difference. Um, and the way this works is essentially there's market incentive to keep the peg of that synthetic asset through arbitrage. And that's what I think is really interesting about synthetic uh, staking. Um, and I can get a little more into why it's beneficial, but I, I want to hear your comments in, in general. Yeah, no doubt. So liquid staking and this phenomenon, we've been talking about it a little bit. So always, always good to re-explore it because for me, I took me a couple of months and rereading and rereading the same stuff until I started to, to get it. And I still am not fully convinced that this is something that I would put size into like derivatives because because the, the issue is that when you receive your derivative token, like if I stake to your validator and you give me back uh, XYZ, F, you know, whatever token you give me as a liquid stake, um, I can't pay gas fees with that. I can't, I can't compute native computations on, on the underlying blockchain with that. I had to find a place that accepts the, that derivative and really the only tools that I'm seeing that accept these kind of derivatives are just DeFi high APY things that I, I'm just not, I know that there's interesting things going on out there, but I'm just not seeing a lot of it. However, it's like, if I can't have native computation functionality with the tokens, why, why am I even here? Like you could well, just, in, you could just infinitely issue derivatives for your derivatives for your next derivatives. I mean, where does it end? Well, it, it ends where there stop be, stops being a market, right? Like that's kind of the, the trade-off in, in anything you do where you're trying to make money. And once there's not enough market participants, then that opportunity kind of just disappears. So the way I see it is, I agree with you, right? Like if you just keep getting more and more synthetic tokens and more and more derivatives of that synthetic, you're eventually getting so far away from the underlying asset that there really isn't true value. But if people are assigning value, then there's value. Um, and so that's, I think, that the thought behind it. And it is, in my eyes, I think it's a really unique concept because a lot of how money works today is based off of, you know, money being lent out and then people using that money and putting it to work in whatever way possible, right? So this isn't like a, a unique concept to crypto. I mean, it is, but it's the overall concept of using your money to create more capital efficiency is not is not new. And that's really what it's doing, right? So, I mean, it allows validators to keep more tokens staked, which is securing the network. Um, so it creates a more secure network for, you know, the users. The users can still stake their tokens, earn that, you know, reward from their staking rewards while still having a little bit of liquidity uh, with their derivative. And then they can actually earn additional, you know, staking or, or not staking rewards, but liquidity providing rewards or, um I mean, trading fees from from LPs. You know, right. Well, that's that's what I'm saying out. is that's what I'm saying is the functionality is still limited to like these DeFi tools that are right. indeed there's markets around them, but like how how long will I mean we saw it last year like the the market will only continually value Uniswap clones for so long yeah. until the issued tokens on these cloned projects no longer excite anybody. And so that's what I do worry about. I, yeah. So I mean, like you look at what the superfluid staking 
there's a little bit of a mention at the end here on the osmosis superfluid staking, which I've tried to talk about. It's difficult to explain, but like that's pretty interesting. That to me makes sense, and it's a reputable team. But then it's it it can go down this hole. I think of really nebulous value creation, quote unquote. Yeah, and like I could just see this going to this this other place where you you start to wrap yourself up into all of these different liquid programs and derivatives upon derivatives where I just encourage caution, I guess, yep. uh, to, to everyone and, and say like, don't, I would, I would not try to go like five or 10 derivative layers deep, but I think there, there is sense in assigning value to one derivative layer, maybe a second, but beyond that, I, I, I'm not personally interested in going there, oh, but I'm in agreement with that. I'm not trying to be, you know, doing derivative of a derivative of a derivative. And also I, I totally with what you're saying earlier that it is kind of nebulous value. So you're going, going to see a lot of these protocols basically collapse in my eyes. This is strictly my opinion, but I can see where most of these protocols are going to go away. And like you said, they're going to have their time in the sun while everyone's making good you know, rewards. But eventually that will kind of die down and it'll in my eyes will kind of centralize to a few different protocols and those will become your main derivative asset protocols um i think osmo is a definitely a candidate for that i know lido already own already owns a, a significant amount of ethereum or has a significant amount of ethereum stake to them so some of these some of these um platforms that do have significant stake and liquid staking happening already in derivatives i should say i think they'll survive um in this market because like I said, there'll always be mar- a market to make, you know, make money and make gains. So as long as this opportunity exists, there'll be people participating. Um, but I think there'll be a much smaller group of people and a much smaller number of protocols that will allow this and that will make it sustainable. Yeah, totally, totally. And I know we got to wrap up here, but I, there was one bullet point that got to me as well that... Uh, Less than fifteen percent of the current market cap of crypto is allocated in DeFi at the moment, according I, to this this article. So, I mean, that's a pretty low number. Very low. possible. Yeah, and, I highlighted that myself. <laughs> oh, I missed it. So, I mean, I, I hear you. But the the other point is like those those projects that have their time in the sun. I mean, I'm here to trade those as much as possible. But it's stuff like the super fluid innovation that gets me fundamentally excited to the point of being comfortable. You know, I always talk about this, like what, whatever you can put on as a position that you can still go to sleep without worrying about it. Like I can do that with cut with, with super fluid derivatives, but that's just cause I guess to your point, like it just takes time to explore some of these and, and get comfortable and, and learn how it works before yeah. you, you go in with, um, something more than just a lottery ticket size. So Agreed. Uh, with that, thank you for making time today, everybody. Please remember to like, subscribe, share the show, and we'll be back tomorrow for more Daybreak Crypto.